words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strengths and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In preparing for this morning, I was reminded uh, of a story that I heard a long time ago about the pastor and the organist. The pastor and the organist. The pastor and the organist had a certain church. They were not getting along. Actually, they'd never gotten along. The choir at the church was very quick at picking up hymns and anthems without practicing them, so the organist usually picked a hymn on the spot after hearing a sermon. One day, the pastor preached a sermon on commitment. Well, just to annoy him, the organist quickly chose and led the next hymn, I will not be moved. <laughs> Next week, the pastor preached a sermon on gossip. The organist's hymn pick, I love to tell the story. <laughs> and then, when the pastor, a good pastor, he preached on the importance of tithing, stewardship, giving. The organist chose Jesus paid it all. Of course, by now the pastor was getting pretty discouraged, so next week he spoke of how Jesus had led him to that church, and now Jesus had led him away. The organist's choice, what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> yep, that sort of says it all, doesn't it, this morning as we think about stewardship, about our giving, about generosity, about money, about tithing. Are you still here this morning? Tim, we starting to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus. You know, they taught us in seminary that preaching on tithing and on stewardship about money and giving would most likely be the most challenging aspect of our preaching. A good friend of mine used to say, now, Craig, as a good shepherd of your flock, you should feed them. You should guide them, you should guard them, you should teach them, and once a year you should fleece them. I think that sometimes that might be how you feel, if, if we're honest. That discussions about money are uh, just a way to get more of your money or to take away your money or to, uh, to make you feel bad or to make you want to give more. John Blake, he's a CNN correspondent writer, and he, he captures the essence of this, I think, in an article that he wrote, the title of which is, How Passing the Plate Becomes the Sunday Morning Stick-Up. The Sunday Morning Stick-Up. He writes the following. He says, David Lee had just opened his wallet for two successive offerings at a church one Sunday morning when the pastor walked to the pulpit to pass on a request. Y'all are going to think I'm crazy, but God says, give again. The congregation rose from their seats to march to the front as the church organist played a soothing melody. As they dropped off their offerings on the altar, the pastor urged them on with, God says, give everything. Don't hold anything back. The organist then picked up the tempo and the pastor shouted, God says, run. The offering ended with people surging toward the altar like music fans rushing to a concert stage, he writes. It was pandemonium. They weren't just giving money, but shoes, watches, diamond rings, Lee says. 
There were people dropping alligator shoes on the altar. Then he writes, were these people cheerful or gullible givers? For Lee, a church elder who spent 30 years marketing and selling church products, they were victims of the Sunday morning stick-up. His term for manipulative tactics pastors and churches use to get your money. So you see, for me, anyway, this makes this morning so very, very challenging. Because I suspect there's more than one of you who might think, yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. We know that there's obviously the cost to running the church and doing ministry. Yes, there are salaries and light bills. And I don't for one second want to pretend that those don't matter. They do. And they're super important. They are the work and the ministry that goes on. We tried, though, this year to try and say something very uh, powerful about these two different aspects. The issue that we're talking about of giving and generosity and stewardship has a relationship to our operation and work and ministry, but they're not connected in the sense of one and the other. We have here a history of stepping out in faith and ministry, trusting God through the generosity of the people of Christ St. Paul's to provide the needed funds. I was actually telling someone just yesterday about my own call to Christ St. Paul's. You, you might not have heard this story. I sat down face-to-face with the senior warden, and they said, Now listen, Craig, we don't have a place for you and your family to live. You'll have to put your kids in private school, and we can't afford to help you pay for that. We can pay you the diocesan minimum for one year, and who knows beyond that. Want the job? We're coming up on 28 years since that conversation. And I can't begin to tell you how much the Lord has blessed us. And you know how much he's blessed this parish. But it has required a tremendous amount of all of us trusting God, which is really the message. It's really the message this morning. It's the one I hope that you'll hear. It's the one that I hope you'll remember, that it's all about trusting God, trusting him, even when it seems impossible to trust him. For you see, though, though tempting at times, very tempting at times, we don't use fundraising tactics. You may ask any current or former vestry member about one of my personal pet peeves, that being the ever-popular uh, thermometer that often is used for fundraising, right? It uh, has a thermometer where you show you've given this much, and so if you just give the rest, we'll fill the thermometer up. And so it's to spur you on or to motivate you. Perhaps putting in the bulletin, you know, where, where we've, where, how much money we need and how much it is, or putting it on a, on a board or showing it up in there. Appealing to some false motive, perhaps, uh, to pride. Everybody can fall prey to pride, right? We'd, we'll, we'll name all of this just after you and your family, or we'll put this in honor of you. Or guilt. Don't you feel bad that you're, you know, 
preacher has to wear those old shoes all the time? Duty, I mean, it's your responsibility as a Christian, right? You're supposed to do this. You have to do this. Or your fair share, look, everybody should carry the load, so let's all just pass around. We try. Now, I'm going to tell you, we're not good, perfect at it, okay? So if, don't remind me of the ways we haven't. But we try desperately to not use those motives. We try to say, in many ways that we can, that it's about trusting the Lord and giving it to him in thanksgiving for what he's given to us. Now, I'll also say that when we talk about money or we talk about stewardship and we talk about giving, someone invariably gets offended for one reason or another. This is a true story. It's from many years ago now. It was on a stewardship uh, campaign season. And the Sunday before, we were going to mail out pledge cards. We had some visitors in church that Sunday. Now, in an effort to reach out to them and welcome them and to uh, let them know what was going on in the church, we put their names in the database as quickly as we could, send out a letter and welcome them and, and give them some idea. Well, it was later in the week, of course, where we sent out the stewardship mailing, and it went to all the names in the database, theirs included, since they'd been added to the list. Boom! They were offended. So please, if you're visiting this morning... We do want to know your name and address because we want to welcome you and have you here. We want the Lord to touch your heart in worship. and We'll leave your checkbook to him and you. The hard thing, though, is how much God does care about our money, about our giving. In my e-newsletter, which has been copied in your insert, so if you didn't get one or don't, don't subscribe, there it is for you to read today and to take with you. I reminded you of a credit card ad that I suspect we're all very familiar with where it asks, what's in your wallet? And I remind you of how much God cares of what is in your wallet and how you spend it. Jesus had more to say about money than any other single issue in all of the New Testament. One-third of his parables, one-sixth, of all of his recorded words address the issue. It's obviously important to him. So I suggest it needs to be important to us. For me, our gospel lesson reminds me of my own story of stewardship, of giving. As you you all know, I grew up in the church. And so I have two uh, vivid memories, childhood, about giving Two of them stick out to me. The first um, was back in the day we had mite boxes, which of course were from taken from this very story, this gospel story this morning with the widow's mite. And so particularly during the season of Lent, you'd have a mite box. And so the money that you didn't spend on whatever you gave up, you'd put in your mite box and you'd bring it to the end of the season of Lent. So um, I learned that stewardship was and giving was just a bit of a little bit of a season, maybe 40 days. Um, you give a little bit, uh, cut back a little, give a little there, and that's all it was about, right? That's kind of what I was learning. The second thing I learned was from my father, and that would be that on a Sunday morning he would give me a dollar so that when the offering plate would pass by, I could put my dollar, my dollar, in the offering plate. Now looking back, now many years later, I believe he genuinely was trying to teach me the discipline of regular giving. The truth is, what I learned was 
A dollar was quite a good gift, especially if my father had given it to me to place it in the plate. I don't want to tell you this morning how old I was when I finally realized what Jesus was really teaching in the gospel lesson. That last verse, she out of her poverty has put in everything she had. And to add emphasis, he adds, all she had to live on. And you see, I was right. It, it wasn't about the amount. It was about our heart. It's about our hearts. You see, and here, she's all in with her heart, completely. She gave all that she had. And mine was all mine. From that point on, the Lord lovingly helped me to begin to reorient my heart, then my priorities, and my giving. Now, let me just say, I'm not portraying this as a piece of cake and easy. It's not easy to change a pretty self-centered, self-focused, irresponsible uh, financial heart. It takes some work, some effort, some sacrifice. It's not instantaneous. What's clear is the real issue is a surrender of your heart and your will and not how much money we're talking about. She put in all that she had. I kept all was mine. He'll help us as we go through the journey in our own lives. And yet yet again, we discover the the issue is trust. Do I trust him? with all of my life, including my money. This year, as we prepared for the fall, I I discovered the Anglican Church in North America had a program entitled The Joy of Giving Up. And their title has captivated my thoughts ever since. If you're like me, you think of all the various uh, ways that you can think about that very phrase. The joy of giving up. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It's the end of David's life and Solomon's going to become king and he is going to build the temple. And before his death, David tells the people about Solomon building the temple. What we read this morning was David's great prayer of thanksgiving after the people had contributed and given everything to the building of the temple. In particular, he was giving thanks for the generosity of all the people. We didn't read that first part, but I want to highlight for you four verses that come right before that prayer of thanksgiving that he makes. Again, we're in chapter 29. Verse 2, David says, So I have provided for the house of my God so far as I was able. In this point, David is providing as a part of the, the king, he's, if you will, he's the king, that all of, the, of his possessions. It's sort of a, a corporate offering he's given. Then in verse 3 he says, Moreover, in addition to all that I have provided for the holy house, I have a treasure of my own gold and silver, and because of my devotion to the house of my God, I give it to the house of my God. So now it's his personal giving that he's talking about. 
that he provides for the building of it. Then in verse 6, he says, Then the leaders of the fathers and houses made their free will offerings, as did also the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the thousands, and the officers. Now the leadership is offering their giving. Footnote for us as a congregation, since 1992, the vestry has each year recommitted to a, a stewardship statement, priority of proportional giving and making the tithe as their goal to be giving back to God for all that he's given to them. But then it's verse 9 that really captures the essence of this theme that we have. He says, then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly for with a whole heart they had offered. It summarizes it perfectly, don't you think? The people rejoiced in their giving because they had given willingly. They'd given with a whole heart they had offered. Did you hear that? They rejoiced because they'd given willingly. There's great joy in them and the giving that they have offered. The king rejoiced. The people rejoiced. The joy of giving up. This past week I had the honor of conducting Tapley's grandmother's funeral at All Saints Church in Hampton, South Carolina. And one story I shared at the service, Tapley has given me her blessing to share with you this morning. You see, her grandmother was a very active member of that congregation. And her life was one of very much giving. She was a very giving and loving person. Very faithful in worship and very faithful in her giving. So when she moved to the nursing home in Charleston about a year and a half ago, she went and attended the worship services there. And what she discovered there was that they were not taking up an offering. There they were in worship in the nursing home and they were not taking offerings. So her grandmother went back to her own room, got one of the bowls out of her own house, of her own apartment, came back to the service and took up an offering at the nursing home. You see, she knew that giving is worship, and it came with great joy to her life. St. Paul, in our New Testament lesson, expresses it this way when he's writing about the churches of Macedonia. He says in verse 2, For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He's writing to the Corinthians who have a lifestyle of of opulence and expense and money and all kinds of wealth. He's writing to them and telling them the Macedonian churches who have nothing, they're in a severe test of affliction, but out of their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity. He wants to teach their hearts, the Corinthians. He wants to teach them something about a deeper understanding. And I believe he might want ours as well. So this morning we're talking about our hearts and about our response to all that God has so freely given. And we're particularly considering the joy of giving up. And as I say, we have uh, prayerfully considered how we wanted to address this issue this fall and this year. So I want to tell you two 
specific things this morning and encourage you in both. The first is we're in the midst of a three-week series during a time in the Word. It's a Bible study. It's reflection. And I want to encourage everyone to come and explore what the Bible is saying about this issue. If it's that significant to Jesus, I think we want to make sure it's significant to us. It's not a fundraising campaign during a time in the Word. It's a explore the Scriptures campaign. Secondly, you'll not get a pledge card from the church this week. For this week, I invite you to please pray and think about what the Lord might be saying to you and to your heart, your priorities, your money, what's in your wallet. To spend time thinking about this very important issue. Then yes, the following week we will send a card and ask you to prayerfully consider your own giving to Christ St. Paul's for the work and ministry here in 2020. As I suggested, we're doing this ACNA uh, curriculum that they've provided. And Father David Roseberry, a priest who now retired and takes on this kind of ministry full-time, had a church outside of Dallas. And he writes something I think would be an encouragement for us. I find it hugely encouraging. So let me close by sharing that with you. He says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the first Christians seemed to get what it meant to give up. That is, they gave up their time, possessions, resources, and energy in unprecedented acts of generosity. They were generous. They gave. They gave of themselves, and they gave to others. He writes, the old word for this is charity, and they had lots of it. Then he challenges us. What if today's church and its members could return to that type of open-handedness, the sort of self-surrendering generosity that typified early, earliest Christians? What if, in the midst of a culture that glorifies the self, we were known for being the people who give? What sort of astounding, countercultural, unprecedented message might this send to a world in such great need? Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we have been given so very, very much. And we give you thanks for those many, many blessings over the many, many years that you have richly provided for us here, particularly in this place and for each of us in our own lives. And so I pray that as we consider the gift that you have given to us, And our response to that, I pray that you give us ever thankful hearts. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.